New research shows what makes teachers feel better about their work. The three yearly National Survey of Schools' latest findings shows teachers are happiest working in schools with good systems in place to support their growth and development, and highlights the importance of continuing to improve digital resourcing and facilities in schools. It's all part of the New Zealand Council for Educational Research's Tapai Tafati Programme of Research. Senior researcher Mohammed Alansari is with us. Kia ora, Mohammed. Lovely to have you back. Kia ora, Catherine. Good to see you. And thank you for my little mini chocolate bar. Uh, no worries. A little Christmas treat from a little, us. A little treat. Thanks very much. So, uh, look, what a time to be doing this survey. Just explain mm. its scope a little bit. So every three years, we do our national surveys of secondary schools, English medium, that goes out to all secondary schools in the country. Um, and it's been running since 2003. Um, we've been really fortunate in the last round in 2021 that we've heard from over 1,000 teachers, about 1,100 teachers, giving us that nationally representative pick by decile and by region. We asked teachers to tell us about all sort of things that happens in schools, all starting from curriculum, changes that they're having to encounter at a system level, through how they organise teaching and learning, um, right through to the strategies that they engage with to support student well-being and positive behaviour. And so we ask about all sort of aspects of school life, really. I guess the difference with this one was that it encompasses the complete and un- almost unprecedented um, disruption of, of the pandemic in recent times. And did you confront that head on or were you looking for a consistency in questions despite it? Well, we actually, whether or not, we found that whether or not we're talking about COVID, COVID was always a reason or a driver. So and it so, just made its way in exactly. to the questions. So um, we saw it in the responses to the NCA changes, well, COVID delayed things. We saw that in the way that they use digital technology. We use it more because of COVID. Uh-huh. Um, we saw it in the concerns for well-being. Well, because of COVID, now they're increasing concerns. So it just put its feelers in everywhere as That's it's inclined right. to do. All right, so let's look at the focus we're going to take, which is what it is that makes teachers feel better about Mm. their work which of course we want the case to be. Exactly. So not only we want teachers to do great things, we want them to feel great about the work that they do. So we've just released three research briefs actually yesterday woohoo, that talks about exactly that. What what can we do as a system to ensure that teachers report positive working experiences, in particular morale and workload being manageable. Teachers are having to do all so many um, changes to their practice um, recently because of, because of COVID and beyond. So what we did in those three research briefs is that we took three unique contexts that we heard a lot from teachers that they're having to navigate both in a good and in a challenging way. We looked at how they transitioned to working in ILAs. We um, we have analysed data from the 250 teachers who've been working in ILAs in the last couple of years. We looked at teachers who had a lot to tell us in terms of how they navigate NCA changes as well as teachers who employ, employ a range of strategies to support well-being in the class. And we looked at their, their perceptions of what's happening there, how does that predict their working experience, but also um, whether or not having an ongoing culture of support at a school level makes a positive difference. And the good news is, hooray, it does. Teachers who tell us that their schools have an ongoing culture of PLD, and I'll speak about that soon, they're more likely to report positive beliefs about working in ILEs. They enjoy them. They think that makes a positive IRAs? difference. Innovative learning environments, my apologies. Thank you. Um, 
teachers who report positive levels of support at a school level tell us that they are more likely to support the NCA changes and that they think they're likely to make a positive difference. And those are the teachers who also tell us that they're more likely to engage in strategies to support well-being in the class. So that's really interesting. What that's showing is that teachers who feel they are working in these secure and constructive environments are much more positive about the new stuff coming yep. down the pipeline. Exactly. And it's not just a one-off PLD, professional learning development, and it's not just support when it's not needed. It's timely, it's ongoing, it's supportive, and it brings staff together. Some of the questions that we asked that told us about that ongoing culture of PLD is all about teachers collaborating together, working through problems together, having opportunities to not just observe each other's work, but to critique it, to challenge it, to use research and say, have you thought about that practice? Have you thought about doing this differently? Do you have access to specialist advice about how to teach certain topics in a certain way? And so a lot of the stuff that seemed to have made a positive difference is about that level of support, ongoing, relevant, on time, when needed, and it just brings staff together. Those you surveyed, was was there a spread of those who were unhappy and who didn't feel like they had this kind of environment through to those who were very happy and did? Or did you get mainly responses from people who were positive or like... We've got a spread of them. So about 50% of our teachers, 50 to 60% of the teachers agreed or strongly agreed that they worked in schools that were extremely positive in the levels of the support. Um, we've got about just under a third who are like, oh, I'm not sure about this. And then 20% or less of teachers who didn't think so. They didn't think they were in schools that did enough to support them in some in, in, in some way. Um, yeah. How much did you lead in the questions, I know you don't want leading questions, but Mm. how much did you set the parameters, I guess, in the questions for what ideal looked like? Or did you ask open questions and they said, we do this, we do that, we do the next thing? Um, We've done a combination of both of those things, but also we've asked more close questions than open-ended ones. And that's based on the research evidence about what makes good PLD and what makes PLD effective. And so we know from the literature that discussions about teaching practice do enrich people's work and it challenges them to even improve it. We know that having opportunities to work with other researchers um, to unpack practice and to try new approaches is also important. We also know that teachers learning from each other and learning from someone within the curriculum domain is also important. So we've used what we know from the literature and from previous studies to draft those questions in a way that's hard-hitting. What made it possible, this might be um, extrapolating or getting a, getting a bit out of what you were able to, to, to do in your brief, because what makes possible good professional development, the, the time mm-hmm. to get together, the ability to coordinate that kind of group cooperation, yep. the ability to bring in yep, external expertise. Yep. So one of the questions that we ask teachers is to tell us um, the top three to five things that they would change about their work and consistently on the top three for the last at least 10 to 12 years is more time to unpack practice, less admin time, less paperwork so that we can unpack and think about our practice and continue to improve. So I think the feedback from teachers is all the, also the same. We'd love to do more of this. We know it makes a positive difference. We just need to protect the time and space around it. So were they specific at the, about the kinds of systems and processes that were uh, were in place? Or are that, is that pretty much what we have, have ticked off? 
or were there more detailed examples given? Are there exemplars in there? Um, no, we haven't. So we've just asked them a list of things and then they just told us the main thing that they wanted was just reduce administrative time more broadly. Um, because the thing is about admin time and paperwork kind of across a range of areas as well. So I think for them it's more, um, yep, we can do all of this as long as it doesn't impact the time for us to reflect and improve in our practice. Let's pick one or two of them and just delve into them in a little bit more detail for mm. people who may not be so familiar with aspects of um, uh, professional learning and development. You just, just pick up some examples, if you could, mm-hmm. of what sort of stuff we're talking about yep. and, again, how it happens. Because I know, Mohammed, there used to be the school advisory sort of service and it was kind of controversial as that got cut. And you might have your PE advisory, maths advisor or, or whomever coming out. We've moved more and more to this idea of um, kind of peer-to-peer mm-hmm. um, collaboration mm-hmm. and particularly in the case of the um, communities of learning, as they mm-hmm. were known. Um, but just give us a, a bit of insight now into the sort of stuff that is happening and yep. how. So some of the things that um, often happen in schools with our good systems and structures in place is, one, they use data to drive improvement. So they use evidence from what students are saying, from what parents are saying, as well as observations to get a good sense of where we're at, where we need to be and how to get there. They often bring a critical friend on board just to challenge their thinking. Sometimes they just need someone else to take a step back. Um, They do a lot of homeschool partnerships, even when it comes to making decisions to do with what kind of to bring on board, what are the aspirations of our school as a community as well. They talk about these things in particular. They talk about sustained impact over time. It's not a one-off. It's not just a one-off checkpoint. Let's revisit this in three to six months and ask questions. If nothing is changing, why could that be? Could it be that the solution doesn't match the problem? If so, where to from there? So they do that kind of mapping of a change journey at a school level and everyone is involved and they kind of have this whole school agreement on why we're doing this in the most useful way. What are the valued outcomes and how do we get there? What You, you mentioned you had schools across all deciles. I know that we're losing that terminology, but across all uh, uh, levels of socioeconomics in the community. Mm. Uh, and when it came to the availability of professional learning and development and good quality professional learning and development, can people make um, assumptions that are incorrect about where that can happen and how? Yep. Um, It is up to individual schools to decide on who their PLD providers are, what kind of PLDs is needed and whether it matches their needs in some sense. So the advice here is to um, make sure that school leaders understand what PLD are they choosing, is it research or evidence informed or not, does it match the problem and context, Um, in what way is it going to actually match their needs and the context of the school and what teachers are going through. So there's a lot of things that school leaders got to think of when choosing um, the right type of PLD. But just that, is is this coming out of operational budgets? Is it a particular funding stream? Um, Schools can apply for ministry-funded PLD, Uh so it's a different funding pool. Right. And they just do a little proposal online where they say, this is what we're going through, this is the kind of funding that was required, and so on. I'll get you to expand on the finding that teacher attitudes towards changes to NCEA correlated positively with this good professional 
uh, development. And in some ways that makes sense because if you're not trying to navigate change on your own mm. and even the rationale for change on your yep. own, it's obvious at one level. But could you delve a little bit more deeply into what was learned from the survey? So one of the things that we figured out from the bank of items to do with NCA changes is uh, teachers want to know why is it that they're undertaking change in order for them to contextualise the change that suits their students and their, and their, and their classroom needs. Um, and so for them it's very important to have the time to listen to those um, kind of what's the rationale behind it two because the scale of change is at a national level is much bigger than just individual teachers or classrooms they would like support in the form of examples or exemplars of how might the change look like across different subjects different year levels how can we create that pathway to ensure consistent messaging is is carried throughout secondary schools and so a lot of the feedback was about that type of support that will enable them to do it as to the best of their ability. So in a way, I'm not surprised that it predicts better levels of morale because they feel engaged, they feel part of the process, they feel good because they know that the changes that they're likely to do are good and therefore the betterment There's of the student outcomes. There's a point for all exactly. this effort and time going That's into right. it. Was there uh, evidence within the survey of... Um, support for supporting sort of social behaviours, right? And and with all this disruption that has gone on in many ways, with so many students dropping out of school, right? Mm. Was part of what they were talking about with this kind of support and professional development relating to the social side of yep. education? So a lot of teachers have said that they've been noticing more and more mental health issues and well-being related issues in the classroom than before. Um, a lot of them also reported not feeling that they've been trained or they feel confident enough to pick up those signs. And a lot of them, the open-ended kind of um, responses, wanted more support that is targeted to understanding how do I deal or how do I support the well-being needs of child, of children who exhibit those certain things um, and how do I do it in the most appropriate, most effective and most culturally responsive way as well. And actually cultural responsibility is a, is, is a big word, Was there, uh, was there a, is a big issue. Were there um, particular um, references to impacts of all this on the educators of, of, of Māori and Pacifica learners? Um, teachers often report that they feel that they can't do justice uh-huh. to supporting the Māori students or the Pacific students or other students, um, disabled learners, for example, is one that popped up in the survey. They would like the support to understand how do I reach in? What do um, they need in their kete? What yeah? do they need in my in my kete? What's, what do I need to know to ensure what I'm doing is right and it feels right for both ends? And so that, again, could and should be part of professional Mm-hmm. development, right, yep, and yep. and everything that we have been talking about. Yep. Um, but was there a, a, an indication in the report alongside the other positive outcomes, morale being the big one, that if that culture of ongoing mm. professional learning development and knowledge is happening, there are better outcomes for Māori and um, Pacifica? The closest to this that we've done is the analysis of the NCA change journey. Teachers who feel supported in the NCA changes and they feel like there's that ongoing discussion about why we're changing stuff related to NCA are more likely to say that those changes would make a positive impact for the educational outcomes of Māori students and Pacific students. Um, But again, it goes back to that notion of ongoing support, a culture of unpacking practice and asking why are we doing this and are we doing this together for the right outcomes? 
really, really interesting stuff, really, really important stuff, and particularly at this time where we've said there's been a lot of disruption, there's been a lot of change mm. uh, and a lot of dislocation and some new innovations, as always, that, you know. That's right. Um, uh what is the word? Necessity being the mother of invention. Mm. But really good to get a snapshot like this and some solid solid sort of feedback really going into those school leaders and, yep. and, and, I, and the education sector full stop. That's right. And it's a good reminder for us that there's a lot of changes that are happening at the school simultaneously while trying to grapple with, with COVID and others. So we've got to have some faith in our teachers and we've got to figure out the best ways to support them to do the job that we know they do a great job in any way. Thank you, Mohammed. Thank you for all your contributions this year. I hope there's a wonderful break coming up. We could all do with Absolutely. it, including our teachers. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much. Mohammed Alansari is with the New Zealand Council for Educational Research. Uh, he is senior researcher there. Thank you.